And I guess we'll kind of start to like see a little bit of the answer unfold with this new bill because we're going to see investment of $100 million in different tech. Where do you think the money's actually going to go if you had to guess? Welcome back to The Digital Dive, a conversation about tech. My name is Jacqueline. So excited to be back this week. I'm one of your hosts. And my name is Darsh. I am not heavily caffeinated for once, and I'm your other host. This week, we're talking about smart cities. And when I say smart cities, I don't mean the smart cities that have touchscreens on them. I mean smart cities that are using different kinds of cool technology to actually make your life a little bit better. And we're going to talk to you about exactly why you need to know this now, specifically with this new bill being passed by Pete. I'm going to butcher this name. Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Buttigieg? No, Buttigieg. 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 Buttigieg, I think. Um, who is pretty much making a huge bet on smart city technology with the release of $94.8 million in federal funding. All of that in this episode. That being said, without any further ado, let's roll the intro. Okay, so this one was an interesting one because Darsh sent me this topic idea and I hadn't really heard anything about it. So I kind of got to go on the journey of learning about it like you will on this episode. And I feel like sometimes that's awesome for a topic because there's like this idea of like you don't want to learn from someone that's too far ahead because they'll forget all the in-between steps. So we're going to take you from knowing nothing about smart cities to understanding why it's important right now to know about them to then like the pros and cons of them. So question number one, quick explanation. What is a smart city? We're just going to give like the background context before we talk about why it's important to know about it right now. Wait, wait. I think I can do this in, in four words. Wait. One, two, three. I'm going to say in a couple of words, I can sum it up. It's a city that is smart. It's maybe the least helpful thing that you could well, say right I mean, now. I mean, you guys can hold the applause. Like, I think that was really profound and intellectual. Um, like, you guys can tell I got a degree from a university, like, clearly. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to throw some Things that aren't helpful to say. Oh, I thought it was pretty helpful. Like, hey, come on, smart city. Someone maybe thinks that it's a city with an IQ I love you. of like That's 140 so or something. <laughs> All right. Love you. That was actually so funny. Yeah. Okay. So smart city. Um, I think that a lot of people, when they hear that their first thought is like future film, like how they think 2020 was going to look in 1980 with like flying cars and all this stuff. But in reality, it's just all these like small changes to infrastructure, whether that be like sewage infrastructure, public transit that just make your life a little bit easier and more convenient. And we'll get into like how that actually plays out in a second. But the reason why we're mentioning this right now is because Pete Buttigieg is passing something that is basically going to give $100 million to different projects to get the cities to be a little bit smarter. So smart cities were kind of a big topic a couple of years ago. Then like nothing really happened in the way we thought it was going to. And now it seems like it's resurfacing. So I think it's important to know about now because we're going to start seeing this $100 million kind of like laid out. And maybe it will be inspiring to other cities to also get involved. It's possible. It's possible that nothing happens again. But I think that it's actually more interesting to understand how a smart city concept would work if it got the funding. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the idea of a smart city, right? Like that, that's like those futuristic, but that's like going to Star Wars, for example, right? Like you're seeing these cities that have self-driving buses for people to commute to work like like you're seeing all these like all these really cool implementations of technology and these were like ideated years ago that are now trying to be put into effect now like we're looking at like the potential to offer connected vehicles like like your tesla autopilot for example working on its own autonomously with a bunch of other self-driving cars that maybe not maybe don't have to be teslas they could be something else could be mercedes or a volkswagen whatever it may be and they're all driving in unison and taking turns when needed and guiding you to your destination without actually having a human component to it. Or let's say buses. Like I know personally, I don't take the bus because of 
Well, for one, I hate that bus drivers always end up like going into the bike lane to like let you in. I guess they have to, but they go into the bike lane and they have to like merge out and then leave. It's just a whole bunch of things. And then if it's a stop, if it's a stoplight and they're like stuck at a red, then it's like this whole delay in traffic. I don't like buses for one of those reasons. And also because they're never on time, but say it's a smart city. We're going to have coordinated bus and transportation options. We'd be able to get on a bus at the same time every single day without fail because then the traffic signals are going to be coordinated with the buses so that they get there on time every single day. They get priority and so on and so forth. There's a lot to unpack here. Can you give us like three ways that it will actually potentially impact different areas of the city? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is is absolutely public transit. I think that public transit is, for one, such a pivotal uh, part of so many different city, like major cities' infrastructures. Like, you go downtown Toronto, for example, like you're not driving. You can barely drive downtown Toronto. I hate driving downtown Toronto. You're taking the subway. You're taking a bus. You're taking a streetcar. New York, I imagine, is very similar. Like any big metropolitan center, they all rely so heavily on public transportation means that there is a lot of there's a lot of room for improvement, especially because it's an infrastructure that's so outdated. So one of the ways that I was reading about that potentially could provide, I guess, smart city services, if you want to put that in like asterisks, like I'm I'm waving my hand like a little rainbow right now around smart city. Anyway, so some one of the ways that you can do that is like I mentioned through traffic signals coordinating with the buses so that they're actually able to get priority when it comes to traffic. So in the morning, if you're going through your commute and you get on a bus, you're more likely going to get there faster, which is a value prop in and of itself. Another thing is like innovative aviation. So having drones come and drop things off at your house for you. If you're sick, if everyone's sick and we all have COVID, right? And we all had to go into a store and go wait in line to go get a vaccine. What if it was actually an oral vaccine that could be delivered to your house via drone by the government so that you don't actually have to leave your house? You can just go get the vaccination without ever having to leave your house, without ever having to expose yourself and then go about living your life. Like it's, it's a great way to, I guess, on a large scale, just implement different things that need to be done. Like, or if it's uh, like a really express package from the federal government, if they want to send that, like you're waiting on a driver's license or you're waiting on a passport, instead of having it sent through the mail and the mail system already is flawed as is, but that's a whole other conversation. But instead of sending it through the mail, you're sending it through a drone. You're going to get it same day. Like things like that, I feel like are where this could really, really pick up. But that's just my opinion. Like Jack, and where do you want to see or where do you see smart cities kind of taking a huge impact or an impact as a whole? I think that that is definitely a big one. I think another area that we could see smart cities get better is in like waste reduction. Right now there's so much waste from like restaurants even for example and so like food waste I think that's a huge issue and so I think that we could see like better compostable situations where they can there's more of a pipeline to use food to like nourish the environment and compost it versus just like throwing it out, which isn't like a sexy, like smart city implementation, but I think it's actually like a really valid one. I mean, like, I don't think the topic of a smart city is very sexy, so to speak, unless like- Well, I don't know. I feel like smart city like sounds like it is. Like you imagine like futuristic, glamorous, like I I don't know. My, my mind just like pictures like Great Gatsby party when I think like smart city. And I feel like it's definitely not that, but it's actually like practical stuff. We have two very, very different viewpoints. Well, not view, I mean like visual viewpoints and what a smart city looks like. Because what I, do you think of when you think smart city? Like, like, like I was saying earlier, Star Wars, like I'm thinking like flying cars, flying buildings, like flying everything, like flying shoes. Like, I don't know, like, like everything's flying for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, same. I mean, yeah, I think of flying stuff also. But that's cool, no? Like, I feel like if it was like that, that'd be cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I, I'm not complaining. I want to fly. Like, like someone asked me the other day what my what superpower I'd want to have. And that my answer to that question was being able to fly. And they were like, what? Why? I, they were like, I want to teleport. 
and we had this entire conversation about I had this entire conversation about how flying is better than teleportation because if you can fly, let's say at the speed of sound, like you're able to hit like supersonic speeds, you get anywhere in about like an hour max. But when you're flying, like so you got like headphones on, like you're vibing, like you're flying through restricted airspace, but no one can stop you. It's like speeding. It's the equivalent. It's the flying equivalent of speeding. But that's a whole different conversation. Getting off track here. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> before, I, I go more off, before I get back into that, Jacqueline, if you could have any superpower, what superpower would you want? Mm. Are we like doing like fun superpowers or like realistic? Like, like whatever you want. Like if you want a fun or realistic superpower, like that's your choice. Like if you want telekinesis, you can take telekinesis. Mm. Okay. I like the ability to like heal people. Okay. Was like my first thought, but I also like the ability to like change the future in a positive way. I don't know what you would call that, but like being able to like have like, manifesting to like go in a certain way i i think I, I saw that in like lucifer there was one of the angels that could like predict patterns so they were able to like influence future um occurrences so like they'd come down and like That's move cool. a skateboard and then that skateboard would result in someone almost dying like, like, like those kind of effects. Oh <laughs> I mean, that's the negative version of it. But I think for you, if you want to do it for good, like that's a, that's a great idea. Like predicting, yeah. like, I, I don't know, like, a, like predicting some kind of ter- like terrific event and being able to prevent that. I think that is, a, is an incredible, that's an incredible superpower to have. But speaking of, you know, preventing catastrophes, there's also the ability like within smart cities to add sensors that are going to be able to like for one, actually predict traffic, uh, traffic accidents. And like, this was like being implemented and being tested like to a hole and to a fault for years now. This is something that I think that actually could show a lot of real world like use case now. It could be very useful now. Like Jacqueline, you, you were saying that like today, like you ran late for the podcast because of um, like a street was closed. A and street in other people's closure, occurrences, yeah. That happens off of a, like a traffic accident. And so being able to prevent those kinds of things, I feel like are extremely important towards like everyone's kind of like the society's well-being. Totally agree. Yeah. And traffic is actually one of those things that like fundamentally I, I, I saw a, um, a post that like commute time has like a direct link to like people's happiness and a large reason of why people's commutes are so long is because of traffic. And so if they were able to get smarter with traffic patterns and traffic lights, that would be another implementation of a smart city. Let's quickly run through like the other, like the main other implementations before we talk about like how realistic and feasible it is. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I think that is kind of interesting in terms of like a smart city is that like, this is not a new conversation. This is actually a conversation that started about five years ago. And one of the articles that I'm that I read in preparation for this episode was from McKinsey. Um, it's like, it's a consulting firm. It's a tech consulting firm. And they were talking a lot about how smart cities were like a big, like they're a very, very big trend almost a couple of years ago. And there was a lot of different ways that they were looking to do so in terms of like, let's say sewage, working on finding ways to move water with less energy, reduce strains on healthcare system uh, through like preventative self-care and other things like that, or even just like like different like in-city uh, implementations that would help with like crime or public safety as a whole. So like th- those are the types of things that I see are like a very interesting uh, proponent or like a, like a very realistic idea of what we'll be seeing first. But I, I think that we, want, we aren't doing this conversation or this topic justice without kind of talking a little bit about the worries behind a smart city. Yeah. Okay. Hit us with those. What are those? Well, one of the which that I was reading about, at least from Canada, is like if you guys are listening to this and you don't know that I'm Canadian, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, it's a boot time. <laughs> I'm sorry again. I'll, I'll get back to the Canadian side of me. Eh? Okay, that was to... wildly impressive. I'm, I'm impressed. Oh, I'm fluent in uh, Canadian, Toronto, and yeah, that's about it. Like like Canadian and Toronto speak. I'm not gonna say dialect or English because they're not English. It's a whole. It's a there's a guy on on uh, on TikTok 
I think is like it's, it's at K O P K E, and his entire thing is about just like making fun of Canada. He's a Canadian, but it's just really really funny. What would what would Toronto sound like? Like imagine every UK rap video ever, but without a UK accent. Like like that that's mm. my Toronto that's my Toronto accent. Like it's it's very much just like I don't know how to describe it in layman's term other than Toronto Ute. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, you, you gotta look it up. But with that being said. The CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, pretty much our equivalent of the CIA, pretty much was urging policymakers and technology industry members to take more steps to address the emerging security threat of smart city platforms as they are being widely adopted. Like we, we've had, like at least here in Canada, like in Toronto, we had Google pull out of creating smart city implementations from one that I forget what the name of exactly what they were doing, what, what the program was called, but they had one that was on the harbor front. They pulled out of that and that was because of a lot of loss of interest, but the C- CSIS report that was prepared in 2021 was only recently released to the Canadian press this past year. And they were pretty much informing us about how much information these cities would be able to gather. And I think that's like the biggest con or like, I guess, ethical dispute when it comes to smart cities, because there's a lot of data that gets collected and analyzed as a result of it. And we don't have the necessary infrastructure to protect that information. That is actually a really good take that I wouldn't have thought of. Like, like we're looking at like, we're look, we've been like just conspiracies all over the world of, of different countries trying to infiltrate other countries by like getting access to, for one, intelligence, but then for two, like just straight data sets of different things to be able to predict and understand human beings in that country's patterns, like their societal patterns or living patterns, like how these people work. Like we actually live a very different lifestyle to that of like people in Europe, for example, or Asia. They all have very different cultural and just societal norms that are set based on these different continents. Imagine like in each city, like the little small varietals that'll change over time, right? Totally. Yeah, that actually is a good point too, because I think that the main like rebuttal with smart cities is always the privacy aspect of like, do we want surveillance, cameras, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the balance that we're going to have to find is like, what is the compromise between new technology that is tracking like traffic patterns, food patterns, like living patterns, et cetera, with like how much personal privacy we actually want to give away? And I guess we'll kind of start to like see a little bit of the answer unfold with this new bill because we're going to see investment of $100 million in different tech. Where do you think the money's actually going to go, if you had to guess? It's going to go to a lot of startups. Like, like that's the only, like right now we, we're seeing that like products are like kind of competing for spots in this overall allocation. So like there's a project from Detroit that uses sensors and artificial intelligence to predict and prevent traffic crashes. Like I was mentioning earlier, that was $2 million. But then there's 1.7 million sent to this company in Arizona to digitize roadways, 2 million to LA for a code the curb project, which is supposed to use sensors to create a digital inventory of physical curb lane assets. So like to improve flow of traffic. So there's all these different small pocketed like startups that are looking for these, like that are looking for money and funding to actually start building out the products and the the infrastructure itself but this is ultimately a project and a an overall topic that we're going to explore more over the next couple of months years as it does end up coming into fruition and it's definitely something that i really enjoyed reading this week but no one really likes reading we like watching and listening and that kind of leads me into our next discussion of stuff we like this week which does not pertain to reading i mean it can but let's not pertain it to reading let's pretend it to something fun jacqueline Tell me something, something that you enjoy, something that you stuff. Tell me stuff that you like this week. Okay. The editing podcast by Hayden Miller Smith and Jordan is genuinely fulfilling all of my inspiration video needs. Like I have such a long edit ahead of me tomorrow for the Friday upload. And I am just watching that like episode and getting so inspired by it. So 
I would say definitely that they interview basically different YouTube editors about why they've made certain choices, how they put videos together, et cetera. And it's so inspiring. I feel like sometimes as a creator, it's easy to feel like overwhelmed with like how things are going to unfold. And like you have this grandiose goals and like you have so much faith and belief in like hitting them, but like, what are the actionable steps? And I think podcasts that are like educational in that way, like Colonists from Year Two are very helpful in like actualizing those goals. So I love it. I watch it for like tangible advice, but then also editing inspo. I love that. I think, I think that's actually, that's really dope. I don't feel like I listen to enough podcasts and I feel like I really should because music's kind of getting boring at this point. With that being said, my first suggestion, my first stuff that I liked this week was actually an album. It's an album by Morgan Wallen. Uh, he's a country artist. I'm actually, I recently bought tickets to his uh, concert in September, which has me extremely excited. But I saw, like I, I listened to his new album. I was a huge fan of it. And I highly recommend you guys to go check it out. I, I believe it's called One Last Time. But it's it's phenomenal. I, I really enjoyed it. And like he, he's probably one of my favorite country artists right now. So I would like if you haven't checked him out and you like country music, go check him out. One thing at a time. That's what it's called. One thing at a time. Why haven't I heard of it before? I'm like definitely in the country niche. Did it just come out? It came out, I think a couple. It came out like March 3rd. So like only like two weeks ago. Okay. Kind of recent. Okay. Kind of. Re- I, I just heard about it. I didn't know it was a thing. And I started seeing ads on TikTok. And I, like, this is right after I bought tickets for the concert too. Like I heard he came out with a new album and I was like, I like his last two albums and he's coming to Toronto. So like I'll go. And then I sat down and I was like, oh, okay. Like he actually has a full new album. That's probably, this is the tour for that. Okay. Well on that note, this is perfect timing. My next one and final one for this week is Taylor Swift is on tour, the Eros tour. And I've been watching so much content on it on Twitter. And it's actually wild that she's literally singing and dancing for three hours straight. Like that endurance to me is crazy. And the performances have been excellent so far. I didn't know that she was going on tour. That's actually pretty awesome to hear. Oh my God, dude, it's going to be the highest grossing tour of all time. It's almost a billion dollar tour. Is, is, are tickets already out? Yeah, dude, they sold out immediately. And the tour right now is like grossing 700 million, I think. And which is going to be one of the biggest tours of all time. She's going to be like genuinely one of the most successful artists ever, which is amazing. Like, oh, I'm just so happy for her because I feel like she works so hard. And like, obviously financials aren't the only metric of success, but it's cool that she's breaking so many different records and like giving everyone that comes like a genuinely great experience. That's crazy. So like, I actually, okay, so, so I was just, I literally started searching, I literally searched this right now because I, I was like, okay, Taylor's just going, going on tour, like, like my girlfriend likes Taylor Swift. I was like, maybe we'll go to see Taylor Swift. Like, maybe, like this will be my way of bonding with you, Jacqueline, over Taylor Swift is by going to her concert. I will be so happy if you do that. Yeah, so it's it's not coming to Canada, unfortunately. She's going, like, from my understanding, she's going across the US and hosting, hosting over 50 concerts. But if she ever does come to Canada, I will be sure to go check her out. I'm sure that it will probably be international at some point, but 50 concerts of three hours a piece is also wild. Oh, absolutely. That's already incredible as is. I know Drake did like 50 across the world and he was dead. So I can only imagine like Taylor Swift going across the country and probably in a tour bus, no less, right? Like she's probably in a bus for 50 concerts spanning over probably 50 weeks. Like that's, that's crazy. Speaking of crazy things, I was watching this show this week that I'm adding to the list. It's called Shadow and Bone. I don't know if you've heard of it, Jacqueline. No, what is it? It's like... Like, like I, I call, like, I refer to it as Game of Thrones-esque with, like, a CW-styled, like, like plot, almost. Like, like it's Game of Thrones, like, themed, like, thematically and, like, production value. But then it has, like, the CW-esque, like, love story, the CW-esque, like, like plot line where it's, like, mythical and, com- like, really out there. But it's also just, like, really, really in- interesting and intriguing. And I literally, like, watched, I think, six episodes on Sunday just because I was like, I was like passed out in my bed. Like I was dead tired and I was just like watching and I 
fell in love with the show. I have yet to finish the last episode of the season, so I will keep you guys updated next week on whether or not I finished it. And speaking of next week, I hope you guys know we post episodes every Monday at 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Also, we have an amazing dude who made our intro and outro music, Adil Constantine. Huge shout out and thank you to him for doing so. I also want to give a huge shout out to all of you guys for listening to this podcast because now we're coming to an end. Hope you guys enjoyed what you guys listened to this week. I hope that we were able to provide some cool insights into the entire world of smart cities. And also, if you guys enjoyed the episode, go hit us with a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen. We record these episodes weekly and provide them to you every Monday at 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Jacqueline, any farewell words? Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye.